Each and every week I talk to very interesting people, and the most important part is that I shouldn't be the only one hearing it. I really feel that if these people make sense to me, that everyone out there needs to hear it. So stay tuned, folks, and I hope you enjoy this newest weekly segment on Coach Wessons. Well, folks, welcome back into the show. This is the time of the show here on the Financial Safari where we go out around the world and find someone who I think is making a difference, someone who might have some information you might be interested in. And I'm really interested in this interview because I fly a lot. And we're going to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I don't have Michelle's last name, Thomas. (laughs) Sorry, I should have been on that sheet. No, this says Michelle's notes. Michelle, what's your last name? Schneider. Schneider, that's correct. Yes, sorry about that. So we can start right there, okay? And we're going to talk to Michelle Schneider, who is uh, with, she's director of training at marketgauge.com. She's in Santa Fe, New Mexico again. And I want to talk to Michelle about the Boeing disaster here. Michelle, welcome in. Hi, thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah. Now let's talk about, uh, well, tell tell the folks what your experience is and, and how you can be an expert on this topic. Well, I've been a trader for most of my life, starting on the Kamai's exchange floor in New York. I was one of the few women members of many of the different exchanges and then moved upstairs as electronic trading became more popular. And I've been with Market Gauge, which is a financial publishing company for the last 12 years, where basically I teach people how to invest. I give them trade recommendations. I've been a media expert. I authored a book, Plant Your Money Tree, which won all kinds of awards. So, yeah, I'm pretty good at uh, talking about most stocks. And I'm very interested, obviously, in what's going on with Boeing because you have a fundamental and a technical picture. Yeah. Now, let's look at the with the problem there, because it came out of it seemed to come out of nowhere. They were all happy about this new jet, which was really just a redesign of an old jet. And the software didn't communicate with the hardware, basically. Is that what's happening? What happened? Yes. And. Yes. And, and, you know, obviously the FAA has given them the go ahead. The guy who's the head of the FAA, actually FAA came on and said that he trusts this new Max 100% would put his whole family on the plane. But I've actually, yeah, right. But I've actually spoken to a friend of mine whose husband is a pilot who's flown these. And he said that essentially they haven't really done anything different. And so he's very concerned about it. He feels the whole plane could actually fall apart in the middle. They haven't fixed those design problems that created some of the issues that killed those people. So it's really hard to say. I mean, it's on both sides of the fence. You've got those who think that this will be a plane that's under more scrutiny than you can possibly imagine, therefore making it safer. And then others who think that it's suspect, uh, especially those in the business pilots are saying they really don't necessarily think they'll get to fly it anyway till April. Well, it's kind of scary when you think about it, because they really haven't, like you said, they really haven't done too much to fix it. And it was a software issue, but it was also a hardware issue. Trying to, mm-hmm. trying to make it more, I guess, fuel efficient. They moved the engine on the wing a little bit, and it interfered with the physics. And my dad's a physics professor, and he said that that was the worst thing they could have done. And he's been teaching for 43 years, and he's got his Ph.D., so he kind of knows what he's talking about when it comes to physics. And he said, Peter, I don't think I would get on that plane if I were you. And, I, and I've flown it plenty of times. matter of fact, I used to love the fact that I go to – I'm in Raleigh, but we have a Vegas office, and on Southwest – uh, they got a pretty high percentage of their fleet was the, was the max flight with the max planes. And so when, when they grounded them, I lost my nonstop flights from Raleigh to, to Vegas. So, it, so what used to take me four or five hours now takes me nine, 10 or 11 hours, <laughs> but I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. Thank, 
Thank goodness yes. for that. Yep. Well, and there's something else too. If you buy a ticket on a, on any of the airlines that fly the Boeings, when you purchase the ticket, you'll be able to know whether or not you're getting on a max. But once, if you didn't pay attention to that or you forget or whatever happens or somebody else makes the reservation for you, when you get on the plane in the pocket where it tells you about the airline, it will not say that you are flying on a max. So I, I, I don't know. I find that a little bit uncomfortable. It's kind of <laughs> deceiving. And another thing, when you get on a plane, you have no idea the repair record of that plane or the repair record of the pilot. <laughs> so well, you don't really know who your pilot is. Exactly. Now, I, I usually get on a plane and think, you know, I'm sure the pilot doesn't want to die any more than any of us do. But in this particular case, I think it'll be really interesting. And like I said, they're not really planning to get this into full gear, probably until the spring. So we may not necessarily know. Right. Um, what is also interesting is Boeing is not stopping there. They're, they're now working on building a, a deep space rocket. So that could be more interesting for the company going forward, because as we know, Virgin Galactic is, go, is involved now and SpaceX is involved. And it seems that uh, NASA is also possibly backing this as well. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, there's, it's kind of like the Tesla phenomenon in that Tesla is a car, yes, but it represents a movement with also space involved because everybody backs behind uh, Elon Musk. So I think it could wind up being something similar with Boeing. We'll, we'll see how that, that just came out today. So Some modern day spacely sprockets from the Jetsons here coming up. Well, you, well yeah. they need something like that because their stock prices got hammered because of what happened. Except for today, the stock actually has been doing very, very yeah, well. It's going to get good today. That's that's there goes the uh, there goes the old saying: buy on the rumor, sell on the news, because that's news and there should be selling going on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But nonetheless, that's why I like charts because you can you can debate on any side of the fence on just about any company. Um, obviously, the more controversial, the more the debate. Um, and this is where the charts really sort of help navigate for us. So with the Boeing stock. Even before the news came out about the FAA approval, the stock had gapped higher, which means that literally it was trading near the lows. And then, boom, it gapped up about $20 higher from that price. It hasn't looked back. Now it's consolidating between $200 and $223 a share. So I'm looking at a midpoint there. 210 has been pivotal. And if it holds this 210 level, which it looks like it's planning to do, considering it's up about 3.7% today, and clears the last three weeks high, which has really been about 223, it does look like it can go up to 250 next and possibly even up to about 280. So that to me, you know, you got to separate, are you going to get on the plane or are you going to buy the stock as an investment? Yeah. Yeah. And that's two different things a lot of times. I say... Sometimes instead of buying the expensive quotes, go buy go buy stock in the expensive quotes company. Then you could buy a lot more quotes down the road when you make a lot of money. That's what I tell yeah. my daughter. It doesn't work though. Still buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you're really telling her is to use your consumer instinct, yeah, which is a big right. investment strategy that I think works unbelievably well. Well, talk about let's let's go back though before today's news. Let's go back there. But they they lost about a thousand jet orders, didn't they? Boeing did about for the max. Over the last few months, I guess, or year. Yeah, yes, they have. They've had a lot of problem with losing orders, and a lot of those have not come back yet. So, again, this is a case, actually, where you say the rumor versus the news. This is still anticipation that things will work out, 
without the hard facts behind it at this point. Will people get on the plane? Will pilots be comfortable? Will it actually pass the safety records? Will uh, uh, different airlines start ordering it again? We don't know the answers to these questions yet. Heaven forbid something happens uh, to another plane once they start flying again. Oh, well, then that's the end of that company. And we won't be talking about $200 stock anymore. $90 stock or something or worse. Well, all right, now explain the term. This is an interesting term that I learned from the notes that I got before I talked to you. Explain to the listeners what whitetails mean for, for, for jets like Boeing. Um, yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, you know what? Off the top of my head, I, I know that I know that. <laughs> Well, that's where they, they they haven't labeled them yet. So that that was a white tail. Oh, means- right. Of course. Yes, that's right. So there are all these planes sitting. I'm sorry. There are all these planes sitting around that have not. When they say white tail, it means that they haven't been assigned to an airline yet. So there are a lot, hundreds of those white tail planes sitting around. And as a result, they have to be basically assigned. And that's another problem for the potential airline is where will they be assigned to? Yeah. As we know, American Airlines uses it. Southwest, as you mentioned before, is a big carry of it. But yeah, that's going to be something else to be looking at. Now, what happens with like these, these airlines when they ground a, like a, a, a big workhorse in the fleet like that? They have to store them somewhere. Where are they? Have they been storing them out in like Tucson at the Boneyard? Or where are they storing all these jets they can't use right now? Um, yeah, basically, they're just trying to find spaces for them anywhere they can. <laughs> they're parked all over the airports I've seen a lot of times out like out on the field somewhere on a runway they're not using. But you know, that can't be well, good for the plane to be sitting there all these uh, months without being used. If you, don't, if you don't live in a house for a while, things need to break in the house. You've seen that phenomenon yeah, before, well, too. Well, there's, some of them are being stored in San Antonio. Uh, some have been flown over to uh, Victorville, which is in the Mojave Desert. So, yeah, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to find places for them. Um, they're saying right now that there's about 34 of them that are parked in California alone. So... That's a lot. Just parking there, not, nothing happening, too. Hmm. Right. Well, the airlines are scrambling too. So, have some? Have you noticed some of the airlines go over to maybe looking at the Airbus now instead of the Boeing? I would think so. Well, I, I, mean, I would I, too, because I, I kind of yeah. like the I like the Airbus better than the Boeing lately. I'm mean, just a lot more comfortable with a plane, and you know they put a lot more think, thinking into the redesigning or the, the new designing of, of bigger and, and more fuel efficient jets. Right. Exactly. Opinion. And. It, Yes, and, and, and actually it's interesting because the headquarters for the Airbus is in the Netherlands, so it's it's a European group. I don't know what that necessarily means for the plane itself, but well, it's just an interesting little fact. A, a whole other topic for a whole other show is where the maintenance gets done on a lot of these planes is not in America. That's kind of worrisome sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we can name a few countries that. that we... Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. So any final, we've got, to, we've got to wrap this up, but any final advice you give the listener just about investing in stocks or, or not, should they pay attention to the news or should they, they have, of course, we always advise long-term plans, but what can, what can someone do to minimize risk in their portfolio? Well, what's interesting about the news versus the charts, and that's really been a, a big also debate through the years, is some people look at charts as sort of like looking at astrology and the stars, where others uh, live and die by the charts and don't care about the news. And the best answer I can give to that is when I was trading on the commodities exchange back in the day, there was no social media. I didn't have my my iPhone sitting there in my hand. There wasn't a computer that I could run to and just look up information. We traded on pure price. And I think that the best advice I can give somebody is that you could be interested in a company, 
like, let, let's say you are interested in Boeing or you're interested in any particular mega trend that's going on. Let's say it's Bitcoin or, or anything, Tesla or solar stocks. It's good to have an idea of what you like, but you have to look at the pure price and you have to be able to understand what they say, look left to look right. Look where the price was. And then you can determine how much are you willing to risk and how far do you think it can go up yeah, good. or down. Yep. Yeah, and we don't like down, but maybe some people do. If you're shorting, you love down. There are perma bears out there. Harry Dent thinks that we're going to a 40% correction in, by March or April. I bet him about 10 years ago when his prediction still isn't right. Well, <laughs> you know, like a broken clock, maybe one day. He did predict Dow 25,000 in one of his books, but but that was when the Dow was maybe five or seven, so he got that. But, of course, you can throw enough darts, you'll hit enough boards sometimes. So. And there proves the point about the news. I mean, mm -hmm. you listening to analysts, listening to news can make your head spin. So yes. really, you, as I said, price really pays. And that's what you have to remember. Well, folks, her name is Michelle Schneider. And uh, Michelle, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Pete. Yep.